This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today's topic is about Abraham Maslow and the psychology of being. Now, everything has to do with reading in some way, so don't turn me off yet if you're looking just for reading stuff. This is an excerpt from my latest book, The Human Dimension in Education, Essential Learning Theories and Their Impact on Teaching, published by Roman and Littlefield. It should be out sometime in February, I am guessing 2022. Now, Abraham Maslow is known for his hierarchy of needs, and that's a shame that's that that is all he is remembered for or associated with because hierarchy is not quite what he had in mind and he was so much more than that hierarchy of needs but we'll address that in a minute abraham maslow <coughs> pardon me uh died in 1970 1908 to 1970 and he was among the earliest pioneers in humanistic psychology sometimes called growth psychology or third wave psychology and this is a movement that began to emerge in the 50s 1950s in response to the idea that humans were merely creatures div uh, driven by their subconscious, as Sigmund Freud and the psychoanalytic movement were uh, positing, or it was a movement against this idea that organisms were conditioned to respond to internal and external stimuli. That's the behaviorist model by Skinner, B.F. Skinner. Instead, Maslow, as well as Carl Rogers, Eric Erickson, and Maria Montessori, saw humans as having a natural impulse toward fullness, health, healing, and growth. The three psychological concepts for which Maslow was most highly identified are the hierarchical structure of motivation that I'm going to talk about today, self-actualization, and peak experiences. And I'll get to those two another day. But let's start with this hierarchical structure of motivation. It's sometimes referred to as the hierarchy of needs. And this is a rank order of things that humans require for healthy psychological development. It starts with the physical needs and then safety, then love and belonging, esteem, and at the very top, self-actualization. A very basic understanding of this hierarchy is that the needs at any rung of the pyramid must be met before those of a higher level can be addressed. For example, physical needs must be addressed before you can think about safety needs. And safety before love and belonging, love and belonging, you get the idea. Now the hierarchy helps us understand, and theories are used to help us understand. It's used to help us understand why learning is more difficult for some students than others. These difficulties include things such as coming to school hungry. That would be a physical need. Or 
dealing with chronic and acute stress related to poverty and other factors. Those are safety needs. Lack, lacking a sense of safety or belonging or being subjected to teasing and bullying or not being able to develop friendships or feel a sense of community. These things get in the way of learning. Dealing with negative emotions or confidence and self-esteem. These are all conditions related to the lower rungs of the pyramid. And they all significantly impact learning. Now, Maslow's hierarchy of needs was originally part of his theory of motivation. This theory posits that humans are naturally motivated to fulfill low-level needs before they seek to address that, that uh, needs that are higher on the pyramid. But a slight but important difference with the basic understanding uh, of Maslow's need is, is that Maslow's focus was not on the need. It was on the individual's motivation to act based on the need. Hence, it's called a theory of motivation, not a theory of needs. And this is important. This natural motivational tendency promotes the survival of the biological and the psychological human entity. This tendency is also aligned with an instinctive inner core that moves humans to naturally evolve to their highest state. Now, Maslow identified two types of motivation, deficiency motivation and being motivation. When a person believes or perceives there to be a deficiency related to a physiological necessity, safety, belonging, or love, or esteem, that person is motivated primarily to satisfy that need. That's deficiency motivation. This driving force is based on a lack of something. And again, this is what Maslow calls deficiency motivation. One is motivated primarily to satiate the desire or to get one's need met. <clears throat> this is a low-level motivation because it focuses on getting something for one's self. Now let's take a look at being motivation. People whose low-level needs have been stabilized are naturally motivated to focus on higher-level needs or growth needs. This type of motivation is what Maslow called being motivation. Here one strives to be and become the highest version of oneself or to evolve to one's highest state. These people are said to be self-actualizing, and we'll talk about that in another podcast. They're motivated to pursue, per, to pursue optimal performance or peak experiences, to learn and discover the cognitive needs, or to create or express aesthetic needs, to develop one's full potential as human beings. That's integration. 
or to improve the human condition or connect to something greater than one's self. That's transcendence. People who have deficiency needs can still achieve these self-actualizing tasks. However, the focus on lower level needs detracts from these efforts. So let's look at the deficiency needs again. The first is biological needs, food and water, safety needs, protection, security, stability, belonging and love needs, relationship, group identity, and esteem needs, achievement, status, responsibility. The being needs are all based on self-actualization, and self-actualization involves some of or all of the five tasks. There's this flow state, which is complete absorption and optimal uh, performance. Cognitive needs, to know and to understand, to learn and discover. Aesthetic needs, which is to create beauty, balance, form, to express. Integration, this need for personal growth, self-fulfillment, individuation. And transcendence, to help others, justice, equity, connecting to something greater. These are all tasks related to or motivations involved in self-actualization. This is called being motivation. <clears throat> Again, Maslow's focus was not on the behaviors related to the needs. Rather, like Lawrence Kohlberg and Carol Gilligan, he was concerned with the motivation that prompted the behavior. In fact, looking only at behaviors can limit our perception and understanding of the humans we encounter. That's because the same behavior can be displayed with completely different motivational needs. For example, let us imagine that Pat joined a group that worked to provide resources for local food shelves. If this was done for the purpose of giving back or helping others, this would be a wonderful example of being motivation associated with self-actualization. However, if this same behavior was done to look good, that's esteem needs, to feel a connection to a group, that's belongingness, to establish physical or emotional safety that a group might provide, that's safety needs, or to have additional access to food resources, those are physical needs, it would be an example of deficiency motivation because it's associated with a deficiency need. Like all theories related to human beings, Maslow's theory of motivation should not be used to predict human behavior. It should be used to help us understand human behavior. And toward this end, this theory can provide insight as to why human beings sometimes do the things that they do. This asks us to perceive the whole person, not just the behavior. You should ask, what type of need is the person seeking to fulfill or satiate by the behavior? 
people don't randomly or mindlessly act. They act based on one of the needs that we have identified. <clears throat> Therefore, when children display a negative behavior at home or school, it's always helpful to consider the possible deficiency. You might even quietly ask that child, what's going on? In the same way, when a colleague, friend, or family member does something negative, destructive, or self-centered, again, it's always helpful to try to understand the deficiency that person might be trying to address. Why is this person doing this? What level of need is this person seeking to address with this behavior? How might this need be met in a constructive manner? By addressing the need first, the negative behavior is more likely to be diminished or discontinued. This theory can also be used to help you understand yourself and enable you to set your intentions toward achieving higher ends. The question you should always ask yourself when reflecting on intention and behaviors are these. What need am I trying to address by this action or behavior? What's my ultimate intention? Am I striving for money, for attention, for self-esteem? These are all deficiency motivation, deficiency needs. Behaviors based on deficiency needs. That's deficiency motivation. Money, attention, <clears throat> self-esteem, fame. And yes, we all get caught up in that. Or am I trying to make myself or the world a better place? That is being motivation. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.